Welcome to the show called Let's Talk Homeschool, brought to you by Apologia Educational Ministries. This is the show where we talk about everything homeschooling, the who, what, when, where, why, and how. We want to affirm and encourage you in the decision to homeschool, challenge and inspire you to take it to new heights, and celebrate everything you get to experience along the way in this adventure of a lifetime. I'm your host, Davis Carmen, and today we have a guest, Abby Haberstadt. Okay, Abby, let's talk homeschool. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself and your family and your homeschool background first. Yeah, sure. So I have one wonderful husband. I get asked about this often, and you will see why in a second. And we have 10 wonderful children. So the one wonderful husband, I have to clarify, because people are like, man, all from the same dad. All, yeah, I mean, like all the questions. Um, we actually have three-year-old twin boys all the way up to a 17 and a half year old who has already graduated. Um, and then we have another set of twins somewhere in there. But So we kind of crammed everybody in in 14 years. So two sets of year, twins. Two sets of twins. Yeah. And um, anybody that's listened to my podcast interviews always know that I throw this party trick out there, but I can't resist for those that don't know. Both of our sets of twins are born on the same day. So mm-hmm. eight years apart, but the same actual birthday. So wow. pretty cool. And one's a set of identical twin girls and one is a set of identical twin boys. And they're in the same birth order. So we had three and then four and five are twins. And then we had three and nine and 10 are twins. So <laughs> I don't know. I guess we just like symmetry. <laughs> I, I love how God puts families together. And yeah, it's the, really cool. The birth order it really is beautiful to to know. And then when it's when it's your own family, yeah, you, you try to figure out all the beauty of it. Uh, we yeah. do the same thing. We have two boys on the front end, two boys on the back end, and three girls tucked safely in the middle. So yeah. that's how I put our family together. Um, and for what it's worth, um, we just found out that uh, grandbaby number nine is coming. Um, it's been alternating the whole way. Uh, so, you know, the, the guesses are out for number eight and nine, which are due in February and June of the next year. Oh, very cool. Congratulations. Thank you. Um, well, so, Abby, so yeah. t- tell us about your homeschool background. Um, were you homeschooled? Uh, when did I you was. Schooling? Mm-hmm. How did you come to the decision to homeschool your family? So my mom was kind of a homeschool pioneer. I'm 41. My brother is 44. And we were the OG homeschoolers back when it was really being debated in the courts, whether parents should be allowed to teach their own children. It's such a strange thing to even say, like, should parents be allowed to educate their own children? I mean, it seems like the logical conclusion should be yes, but the courts were trying to decide. I'm from Texas. I still live in Texas. And so when my mom started homeschooling my brother, technically there were decisions still out in the courts and she was just going for it anyway. And she was a crusader. She was a pioneer. She was writing letters and voting and um, making her voice heard to say that, yes, I am qualified for this. Now, my mom, I think the world would say is qualified, even like the most skeptical people in at least some areas, um, because I, I know a lot of kind of people who have doubts about homeschooling would say, well, if you're certified in this particular area, then sure, you can teach that, but maybe not something else. My mom has her master's in English and history. And so she is far and above qualified to teach all areas. She's taught high school, college, homeschooled, done all the things. And I've ended up following in her footsteps more about that in a second, but she really felt called to be countercultural. And it was very unusual for that time. And she didn't have a community yet. And so she was stepping out in faith to say, God has called me to be the primary, primary discipler of these children, the primary teacher of these children, the primary 
shower of God's goodness, like it talks about in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 8, to these children. I want to impress upon my children's hearts God's goodness and his laws and his ways and be with them. And so that's what she and my dad both desired. And he worked really long, grueling days as Derrickman on an oil field. My mom chose to stay home with us. He made that happen with very little money. And so I'm always encouraging people that if they have that desire and that call from the Lord to homeschool, that if they're willing to work hard and to rely on the Lord for his strength in it, that it's possible, even when it seems like, according to the world standards, you don't make enough money and you don't have the right situation to do it. I had such a good experience with that growing up that if you ever asked me, hey, if you have kids one day, what are you going to do? I always said homeschool. Like, I, I just loved my experience so much. And so um, I married a man who went to public school, but he wasn't opposed to homeschooling. He just didn't have a lot of experience with it. Um, and the more we've gone down this path, the more he's become convinced. I mean, it didn't take much convincing because... He was like, yeah, I mean, you had a good experience. You have this desire, you have this passion. Let's try it. And the more he's seen the fruit, the more he's like, I'm so glad this is what we chose for our family. So we've been homeschooling for the last 14 years. And um, like I said, we have a graduate already. And then we have several more that are waiting in the wings to start. And we will be doing it for a long time, Lord willing. I'm kind of curious about how many years into your homeschooling journey did it take your husband to be fully convinced, 100% on board, we're not looking back? I don't think he was ever looking back. Like he wasn't ever like, what are we going to do this year? Should we reconsider? Should we reevaluate? But I I would say really, as we were having babies, he was like, well, I mean, we could do this. We could do this. Like, I think there are lots of, of legitimate options. I think by the time we really were actively teaching our children, he was looking at what was going on in the world, what was going on in our culture, what was going on in the school systems, even, even 14 years ago and saying, this is a good choice. And then as we have seen things progressively getting more, maybe not worse, but more obvious, I mean, just right. more more out there, I guess I would say, he is just so grateful that that's the path we chose. Well, that is great. One of the reasons I ask is because there is some statistics in North Carolina, where I'm from, that show that uh, after one year, 20% typically quit. After a second year, another 20%. By the third year, only about 10% quit. And that fourth year, only five. And then the curve's pretty flat. So yeah. it, it typically takes a person who may not be 100% on board day, you know, when their first child is born, about three or four years to kind of figure it out or say, yeah, this is so good for our family. Um, so that, that's great to hear about your, your husband. But you have written some books for moms. And so I want to hear a little bit about the mom side of things. Uh, Tell us about your books first, because that'll give us some background as to your heart for moms uh, and your ministry to moms and what you want to help encourage them in the the role of motherhood. Because whether you have one kid or 10 kids, it's a lot of work. It is and, a lot of work. I agree. So tell us about the books and, 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 and again, just your desire to help moms. Yeah. So the first one came out 18 months ago. 18, 20 months, something we're in that range called MS for Mama, a rebellion against mediocre motherhood. Um, I have been on the internet officially for 12 years as a blogger and as a social media person, as a writer, and I've always wanted to write. And the Lord brought that to fruition about, you know, the whole process with a trade book through a traditional publisher is long. It's two years. And so the Lord brought that to fruition um, at the end of 2019, I wrote Emma's for Mama while pregnant with our twin boys in 2020. 
And it was so interesting to see the Lord's timing because I really think that before 2020, MS for Mama, a rebellion against mediocre motherhood would not have resonated like it did in 2022 when it was actually released. I think we saw people beginning to wake up, beginning to question cultural narratives, beginning to see things that they had always accepted as true as perhaps um, full of holes and beginning to read their Bibles more, beginning to um, attend church in a more active and genuine way. I mean, when you're told you can't go to church like we were during COVID, the people that chose to were the people that were like, this is a lifeline for me. This is my community. This is where I'm getting spiritually fed. And so you started to see this hunger for something different, for something a little less fluffy. And I just think that with this kind of desire in my heart to say to women, the Lord has something better for you than seeing your children as burdens and barely making it through the day until the end so that you can numb yourself with something, whether it be wine or shopping or, or Netflix or a kind of the memes that you see in motherhood of like, you know, I barely survived my kids today. Time to completely zone out. I think we're called to something more as Christians. And a lot of those memes do come from secular sources. Their hope is not in Christ. They are not steeped in scripture. And yet we can fall prey to them as believers. And so um, what I do on social media, well, lots of things, but one thing that I've consistently done for years is something called what do you want to know Wednesday? It's just a Q and a every Wednesday. I usually devote about two hours to it. Well, I did this for years for absolutely free, not even realizing I was doing like market research for my book. And then when my publisher came along to say, what do you want to write? What I told them is that I want to write a book called hard is not the same thing as bad. And that is the book that I just released a month and a half ago. But what they said was, well, we want a book called Emma's for Mama because that's your brand. And that's how, you know, this is how we work. This is going to market well. Mother's Day is when we're going to release it. Like it's This is smart. And I said, well, I think that is smart. And I can write that book because I've been doing the research without realizing it for about two years already. And I have continued to do that Q&A. And what it helped me to do was to see kind of the desire of, Christian mom's heart, or not everybody that follows me is a Christian. So the mom's heart to get something more than survival mode under their belt. And so the chapters in Emma's for Mama go through these questions, the FAQs that I get. There are 17 chapters, and it's like literally goes along the lines of if someone asks me um, every single week about mom guilt, I have a chapter on mom guilt, self-care, which is such a buzzword in our society. I have a chapter on self-care, on the village that everybody wants and what that could look like biblically, on what it looks like to talk to our children about God's good design for sex before the world gets to them and tells them a perverted view of that. So it's just the things that I got asked all the time. It's very practical, very timely. And the response was grassroots. I saw my, from the time that I signed a contract with my publisher to the time that I published the book, my social media following sextupled, and it has done way more than that now. But I don't think that it was because I changed much. I think it was because of that hunger for someone to tell you something real and and truthful. And the truth is Jesus, of course. And so um, with that hunger, we have seen Emma's for Mama become a bestseller among moms saying, I bought five of these for baby shower gifts. I keep it on my shelf all the time. I give it to every new mom. Um, I have grandmas that say, this is what I was would have written if I had been able to get published. You know, I'm so glad this is out there. Also, I liked it. Also, I gave it to my niece and she's, you know, not that much younger than I am. So it's, it's a very um, 
wide appealing book for those who have ears to hear, I would say. And so that was just my desire to say, hey, the culture is lying to you. You are not a victim. The Lord has made us more than overcomers in Christ. And that can look like something very practical because um, the books are not specific to homeschoolers. I'm talking to any mom. It can look like something very practical, like creating rhythms in your home that serve you instead of having chaos and disorder in your home. So let's talk about how to create rhythms in it. Because moms are like, I don't know where to start. I don't know what to do. Something very practical like that. Or it could be more theoretical. Like, what does it look to, like to die to yourself? What, is, what does the Bible mean when it says die to yourself? Like, what, what are some examples of that? Because what I've heard over and over again, so Emma's for Mama, I haven't counted, and hard's not the same thing as bad, but it's full of scripture too. Emma's for Mama has about 200 individual scriptures in it. And what I've heard over and over again is that moms are saying, I think I need to read my Bible. I've started memorizing these verses that you've included. I, I think when you say that God's spirit has given us everything we need for life and godliness, that I believe you. So I'm starting to like think maybe I need more of this and less of these memes and complaining and griping. So I would say that Emma's for Mama lays the foundation, like where does culture fall short and what does the Bible have to say about that? What does that practically look like? And then I've been using the phrase hard is not the same thing as bad for about 10 years on social media. And it has resonated with so many moms, even before I ever got to release the book. They say they write it on sticky notes and put it on their bathroom mirrors. They say they write it on the back of their hands in a Sharpie on a hard day. Just hard does not equal bad. Because I think we live in a culture that says if something doesn't quote unquote serve you, if it is difficult, if it is, then it's toxic and you should escape it and you shouldn't have to deal with it. And you were never meant for that. And we're supposed to manifest success and ease for ourselves. But we look at what the Bible says and it just doesn't line up. It says we are going to have trouble in this world, but to be of good cheer because Jesus has overcome the world, right. not it's just the trouble on those trials. Yes, exactly. So it's not all about like, oh, just look at the bright side at all. It's Practically speaking, even if you can't emotionally see a bright side, ask the Lord what he is accomplishing in and through you and allowing you to walk this hard path. Lots of personal stories in it, tons of scripture and tons of practical chapters like about toddlers, about infants, about teenagers. Those are the three like big stages that I get questions about constantly. Like, oh man, I'm scared of teenagers. And so my goal is to encourage moms that we are not called to mother or parent in fear. We are called to mother, not in our own strength, but in Christ's strength, because he is enough even when we aren't. So would you say these books are um, good for even a non-homeschooling mom? Absolutely. 100%. And I, I would say that at least half, I, I can't give you exact numbers, but at least half of the people that read it, at least are not homeschooling moms. Yeah. Fantastic. So uh, one of the phrases that Rachel and I, uh, like to say is that uh, too many people are looking for things that are fun, easy, or instant. Mm -hmm. uh, so I really connected with that title. Hard is not the same as bad because it's a similar kind of thought. Yeah, yeah. Just because something's difficult or takes a long time, or you know, you have to work hard at it, that can actually be good. That builds yes, character, absolutely. Uh, spiritual reasons for that that God intends to 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 use trials and difficulties uh, to sanctify us. Uh, yes. More into his image. So uh, th that, uh, yeah, the title alone is just fantastic. And, uh, and I also just love the idea of tr not chasing that mediocre on anything, whether it's motherhood, fatherhood, homeschooling or anything. And it's so easy to settle for something that's not hard, which ends up being average or mediocre. So the fact that you're helping families and moms strive 
for something wonderful and not mediocre uh, is is very encouraging because like you say, the timing right now, the last three or four years of everything that's been happening in the world uh, has been a fantastic catalyst for movements like this. I mean, yes. for a book like this to take off is fantastic. So tell us where people can find these books. You can find them pretty much anywhere books are sold. I actually sell personalized signed copies on my website at msformama.net. If that appeals to you, um, you can find them on Amazon. You can find them books a million, Barnes and Noble, christianbook.com. They're inside Walmart. They're at Sam's Club. I mean, it really, the mainstream appeal is so interesting to me, or at least the mainstream access, because, you know, if you'd asked me if the mainstream appeal would be there, I would have said, no way, these are going to step on people's toes. But what I hear constantly are two words. They are encouraging and they are convicting. And it's interesting because you would almost think it was part of our marketing, like that we had used those two words because those are the words that I hear in DMs, in reviews, in comments, in tags. And I'm like, this is hilarious that these are the two. So it must be true because hundreds of women have used those words. And I wanted to clarify one thing that you said earlier. And you said, I'm so glad that you're helping others strive for something that's not average or mediocre. And something that I say in MS for Mama, because I think we're all capable of this, is that we are all mediocre without Christ. Like he is the one that his righteousness is imputed to us. His excellence is added to us because we can look pretty darn excellent in our own strength. We can have routines. We can have success. We can have straight A students. We can have dinner on the table, piping hot at 6 p.m. on the dot every single day. And yet our righteousness, the Bible tells us, this is filthy rags when it is not sanctified by the blood of Jesus. So I just want to be really careful that I'm never implying that what we're doing is we're striving for our salvation or we're considering ourselves in some sort of separate elite league. Or That's just not what it's about. Now, that's an excellent point because uh, even you, at the very beginning of our conversation, you were talking about how the foundation of any of this is Christ. Yes. Finding him, having a relationship with him first, that decides really everything, whether we're talking about motherhood, fatherhood, homeschooling, parenting in general, marriage. Wow. Uh, without Christ, one, I don't know how you can do it. Uh, and without Christ, you certainly aren't glorifying God, which is the purpose of life and our, our existence. Yeah. yeah. So uh, I do want to ask you one question about homeschooling. So you, you've you been homeschooling for 14 years. You got a graduate. Congratulations. That's always Thank a great you. milestone to, to, to hit. Um, you got 10 kids. So... For you personally, you're, you've written two books, you blog, you're homeschooling, but you got a large family. How do you do it all? I, I have <laughs> to think that's a question that some moms are asking you when yeah. they're struggling with you know their one, two, or three kids just to get them fed and clothed and bathed into bed. Absolutely. So the I actually just, I have a podcast called MS for Mama, um, just keeping it simple and consistent. Um, and I just did a podcast that literally is answering this question. And I think anyone who gets asked this question is going to answer the same way if they're being honest. One, I don't do it all. I, whatever it all is that you're picturing me doing, at least some of those things I don't do. I have help. I prioritize. I say no. There are some seasons in which I do certain things and other seasons in which I do others. So the bedrock things are going to be um, time with my family, getting our homeschool work done for the day. Um, we eat dinner together most days, if not, you know, I mean, not every single day, but most days we eat dinner together. 
um, our older kids are starting to have, you know, some activities that conflict with that, but, but they're looking at 15 to 16 years of very consistent, like dinner time, um, Bible reading together in the morning as a family. Those are the things that we're shooting for as consistent things. If I've got a deadline, then obviously I'm going to have to get up earlier, stay up later, get more help from my mom, hire a babysitter. Those usually come in waves. And right now, launching a book, I'm in a very, very busy wave. There's been travel, there's been book launches, there's been book launch parties, there's been some speaking things that I've done. But this, I don't, I don't have this again for like the next seven months. So, like, I think when you um, picture, you see what someone is doing, and you picture them doing that all the time, every day. You think, I just added this up, and there are not enough hours in the day, and it's right. true. So, and I also want to be very transparent about seasons. I would have loved to have written a book 10 years ago and it wasn't the right timing for it. And I felt the Lord telling me that both in my uncertainty exactly about what to write in my hesitancy to feel like I was an expert and I don't feel like an expert now, but I do feel like the confidence the Lord has given me is in his truth and in his principles, not in myself. And I am able to say, this is true because God says that it's true in his word, as opposed to this is true because I have 10 kids and I, oh, I know what I'm talking about. You know, that's not what I'm saying. Right. So 10 years ago, as a 31 year old, it wasn't time for me to write. I had only small children. My husband and I were, had built a couple of houses together. Like he actually does almost all of the construction and I do the sourcing and the designing and all of that. It's a huge amount of work. We were going into another round of that. So it just wasn't a good time for it. The things in place that needed to be in place weren't there yet. So I really encourage moms that are like, I could never do all that. I can barely get this done. That may be your season for now, but it may not always be your season. And the Lord is faithful to grow our capacity. He's faithful to take us to different places and give us different resources. One thing that we have had consistently for about eight years, I would say, is my mom's help two days a week for six hours a day. And again, she's a seasoned homeschool mom. And she and I work extremely well together. So she will do anything, change a diaper, wash some dishes, help somebody with math, hold down the fort while I um, write for two hours. Like, you know, to to have that kind of relationship, someone who just gets you and is, and we, we officially hire her, we pay her, we compensate her because we value her time. But also she and I are just so symbiotic. Not everybody has that. So I recognize that as something the Lord has given me the privilege of having. And and it also is a privilege for my kids because they get to have such constant interaction with their soft is what we call her, my, my mom. Um, yeah, I have to think everything you just said there is going to help a lot of moms just exhale. Yeah. Go, oh, wow. I, I feel so much stress relief right now just listening to how you did things, the phases and seasons of life that you actually had real help with yeah. your mom. I mean, that, that answers a lot of questions, connects a lot of dots, I think, for the mom who's thinking, how, how can I get more done or do this well? Uh, and one other thing I want to make sure I say for the benefit of our listeners, when you were talking about being pretty consistent on having dinners together, our seven kids have all left the nest. They're age 20 to 33. And one of the most consistent things they said when they left the nest and started experiencing uh, conversations with their peers away from home is that most of their peers did not have the experience of lots of dinners at home with their family. Mm. And our kids would talk about, oh, yeah, the one night at dinner, we were talking about such and such. And their peers would just stop them then and say, well, you talk about that like it happened all the time. And he's yeah. say, yeah, pretty much did. Yeah, And that was one of their observations is how 
foreign that was to mm. most of their 20, 25, and 30-year-old friends. Yeah, that makes sense. And I just, I really am always encouraging moms. You didn't ask this question, but I really am always encouraging moms to find those things that they can do that build a family culture, that, are, that do exactly what you just mentioned, where you're like, you have family in-jokes. Um, we read aloud together a lot. That's a huge part of our homeschooling journey. And to have those touch points of literature where it's like, oh, we love this series. You remember that part when, and right. you started crying because you were pregnant when, you know, when, um, when this character died and you don't normally cry. And we all remember that, you know, you, you create this culture that creates bonds and ties that I think can transcend just the time when your kids are home. And so, so it's, it's really important to put that investment in. So true. So, uh, Abby, we're, we're going to start wrapping this up, but what are some things we have not talked about that you wish we would get on the table here before we wrap it up? <laughs> oh, my goodness. That's such an open-ended question. <laughs> Man, I just really want, um, I just really want any mom, but especially homeschool moms, to know that they are having a legacy impact. Um, one thing that my publisher told me when Emmons for Mama started doing really well, it, well, it, it did from the very beginning and I was just blown away. Our pre-orders were great. And I was like, what is going on? And then it has continued to grow through, like I said, that grassroots movement. And she told me something when she was telling me numbers one day and I was just um, on the verge of tears and gratitude because I did not expect this. I didn't expect the Lord's kindness in this way. It just seemed almost bizarre to me that this was happening. Um, and, and I give that background because this is what she said. She goes, the coolest part, Abby, is not that just the mamas are being changed. It's the fact that they their kids get changed mamas. And then they get that trickle-down effect, which then, Lord willing, they can give to their own children. And Lord willing, their children can give to the next generation after them. And um, your calling may not be writing a book or having a podcast or anything else, who knows, running the homeschool co-op, or it, it may not be some of those things that people look to and go, well, sure, that had an impact. No, you are having an impact. And the fact that your kids get the dedicated, um, all-in version of you, willing to sacrifice personal time and um, other pursuits to instead educate them is huge that can leave a legacy for so many generations of righteousness to come and i think that is so cool that that is great that's a great way of saying it so folks we've been talking with abby halberstadt she's the author of emma's for mama and her second book is hard is not the same as bad you can find her at emmasformama.net she's got a podcast she's got a blog site she's got a website she's got these two books so make sure you Take a look at those locations and see what she's got. And as always, it's hard to bring these conversations to a close, but it's that time. So thank you for joining us. We hope you will join us again next time. This is Let's Talk Homeschool brought to you by Apologia Educational Ministries. And I've been your host, Davis Carmen, with our guest, Abby Halberstadt. Have a great day. And until next time, we are walking by faith and enjoying the homeschooling adventure of a lifetime. <laughs>